The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. With so much focus on Justin Fields in that Bears-Dolphins game from Saturday, Less attention paid to the guy that the Dolphins are trying to get the most out of in year two. Tua Tagovailoa, a fifth overall pick. Six and three as a starter, got benched a couple of times because he admitted several months ago he didn't know the offense as well as he should. No excuses this year, especially with a preseason to get ready for the regular season. Eight for 11, 99 yards, no touchdowns, one pick on Saturday at Soldier Field. He said after the game, I did all right. There are a lot of things we need to clean up. Chris, you took a look at the film. Do you agree with his assessment? I, I do. I, he did He did better than all right, and at least in my opinion. Yeah, there's some things cleaned up. He got fooled on a you know, fooled on coverage once where he had to hold the ball and throw it away. He had the one interception. But all in all, like, hey, the look test and some of the plays and throws he made against the number one defense to start the game, the Bears had starters out there for the most part. There was some positive things. You know, I think the one thing about Tua that we can both agree on or say or no matter what is the guy knows how to play quarterback. He's a natural at the position. I mean, this was a beautiful play. Third and four, hanging in the pocket, makes a really nice touch throw down the middle to Kaseki versus man-to-man coverage. That was great. You see a little quick slant here, right? He can get the ball out of his hand quickly. You know, he's a great mover in the pocket. We know what kind of athlete he is that way. He is very accurate to go along with that, Mike. I mean, you could see there. I mean, there's a lot of things alike. There's no doubt about that with Tua. I do think it was a good start. Pinpoint accuracy on this throw here into a tight window on third and six. So I loved all that. There's no doubt. There's some positive things there. And this Dolphins team, you know, they're not even healthy at receiver yet in those type of things. Look at that under pressure. Great throw once again. So uh, I think it was a positive start for two because this is what we need to see, Mike, right? We need to see, wait, when people are open downfield and things are there to be had, you have to take advantage of it. You can't be checked down Charlie or I'm not going to throw this ball or do something like that. And that's why we saw Fitzpatrick come in in relief for him so many times last year. 
You are a left-handed quarterback. I'm left-handed, but not a quarterback. Tua, one of the few lefties right now. Just in watching him play, it looks so unusual. I know it's different for the receivers. It spins the other way. Does it it make it harder for a defense – with the whole, you know, you get used to seeing yeah. a certain body position, a certain movement. Is it is it just different? Is it a new element when you're dealing with defending a left-handed quarterback? No. And is that an advantage for the quarterback? It, it is. It, it, it could be, especially early on in the year. But yeah, no, I, you know, I had always had players, you know, occasionally come up to me, you know, and like, oh man, you, you know, you were in the pocket that one time and I couldn't see you, and man, I would have intercepted it. Except, I, I was expecting the ball to come out of the other hand and things like that. To where in the quick game and the slants, things like that, yeah, they're not used to seeing it. It, it can buy you maybe a split second here and there where a defender could be like, wait, 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 where is it? Where's the ball? It's not exactly usually – it's not coming out the exact spot. But not enough of a game changer or an advantage to where I think it'll you know change life or do anything like that. He's got a sweet stroke. He really does. And you could see just from that little clip we showed there, he can throw the ball from a lot of different angles. You know, he's he's I don't ever doubt his ability to play the game, manage an offense, charisma, be good under the big lights. To me, the big question about two and how successful he's going to be is like a little bit of like what we saw with the interception right down the middle of the field to know like, man, this is not you. You're not a flamethrower. You're not Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre that's going to split the coverage and throw a rifle down the middle. He's got to understand who he is, what he is, and to know that he's got a really good team and doesn't need to take necessarily those chances, and that was an impressive tackle for a football player, uh, no doubt about it. But that's, to me, the big thing with Tua. He's not going to make a ton of plays with his arm that's going to change field position or you're going to go wow or do something like that. But as long as he understands that and plays kind of the way he did the other day, they, they can win football games. There's no doubt about that in Miami. When you look at the end zone version of that throw, you yeah. know, the, 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 the TV copy, it looks like he deliberately threw into double coverage. When you see the end zone version, he just didn't see. I don't think he saw the, the safety. The defensive back right. coming over the top. Right. He didn't know he was throwing into double coverage. Not that he could have gotten it in any faster, but he sees the tight end break. Right. And, and he's beating the linebacker. But there's no the DB doubt. that his his eyes just never picked up. Show that clip again if you can back there, uh, Kristen or Matt. Just that exact clip of the end zone because you you said it right. This is where he's you know and he will learn. We know he knows how to play and he's smart and he's doing the proper things. But I think you said it exactly right there. Look where his eyes go. He goes left, right. So okay, he didn't like what he see. Now he goes back right to look over there and assess, and it's not good, and then comes back to the left. That's kind of a no-no in football 101 world. You don't switch sides of the field after you've been on that side of the field, right? Because you're going to lose people with going, wait, I'm over here, now I'm over here, and now I'm coming back over here. You're not going to keep track of where everybody is in that. You might get away with it from time to time, but this is the type of thing that exactly happens, and he doesn't have the type of left arm, like a, you know, again, like a Mahomes or Josh Allen, to where he could just throw an absolute laser in there and do these type of things, and he'll learn that as he continues to kind of push the envelope with these aggressive throws and there's a natural element of frustration after you throw an interception we had at the very end of the tv copy you see Tua Tonga-Vailoa come in while Miles Gaskin is making the tackle throws his shoulder into the fray Brian Flores was asked about that 
aspect of the play, Tua going and, and rushing in to make a tackle. Here's what Flores had to say about his quarterback making tackles after throwing interceptions. I mean, that's what he's got to do. You make a mistake, which he did. You just move on to the next, you know, next play. And in that instance, you've been, they offensive players become defensive players. I thought Miles made a, a very nice tackle on that, you know, which kind of set us up in, you know, decent field position defensively, which turned into um, you know, a stop and then good field possession, possession for us on the next offensive series. I agree with the concept. The offensive players become defensive players. You want to get the guy who's got the ball on the ground as quickly as possible. There's a balance, though, just like there is when you run the football. You have to know when to live to fight another day. And when you look at what happened on that specific play, number one, it's a preseason game, so who the hell cares? Don't get yourself injured going to make a tackle. Number two, Miles Gaskin already was bringing the guy down. He did not need Tua Tonga-Vailoa to go clean up with one shot to the pile with his left shoulder, his right shoulder, his non-throwing shoulder, but but it was unnecessary. I yeah. think there's a point where you got to you got to reel the guy in and say, "Hey, look, you get injured making a tackle that somebody else is already making, that does not do us any good." Remember Andy Dalton? Sure. Broke his thumb making a tackle after throwing an interception 2015. Bengals were in position to get a bye week it all fell apart after that. Watch him come in here. The yeah. the, the play's over. Right. Here he comes. I'm frustrated. I'm pissed off. I he picked and boom, the other I'm going to drop my shoulder. Right. Yeah, it, 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 there's it, you gain nothing from that if you're the Miami Dolphins. Nothing. Yeah. He, listen, I, I respect the effort and everything he's doing. Hey, again, this is another one of those cases where the, the quarterback's trying to take what the coach says and apply it and show like, hey, I'm listening to the coach. Look at me, guys. Look, I'm a football player, too. I can go and do those type of things. But you're right. You got to go. You just got to like a quarterback who runs too much. You got to learn to go, okay, now's the time to lower my shoulder. It's me and him one-on-one -on -one, or he's going down. You got to learn to protect your throwing shoulder and those type of things. I mean, Brian Flores is trying to implement, you know, a culture and a toughness about his team that he knows is needed to win a Super Bowl because he's experienced that in New England. But at the same time, yeah, you know, he needs to protect his his star quarterback to a degree, too, and just make sure he gets in the air. Hey, yeah, I want you to make tackles, but let's be smart about it. You know, I don't need you guys just throwing yourself around, you know, like you're Ronnie Lott or doing something like that. And uh, hopefully he'll get that message through to, to Tua. Yeah, that was a point I made when I wrote it up over the weekend. You can't expect your quarterback to become a strong safety every time there's an interception. If anything, you want that guy to be the deep Safety, safety, last line right. of defense, yeah, right. go try to trip him up if he gets through the other 10 guys. And and this isn't some irrational concern. Several years ago, RG3, his first game as a starter with the Browns at the sideline, drops his shoulder yeah, into a Philadelphia sure. defensive back, and he's gone for weeks after that, injured the shoulder. And then the most notorious example of the tough guy shoulder drop at the sideline is Jimmy Garoppolo, sure. week three, 2018, tears his ACL. I remember yeah. we're sitting there watching it. He dropped his shoulder and he got hurt. And it's like, oh, he hurt his shoulder. Oh, wait, it's not his shoulder. He tore his ACL, slamming on the brakes to apply that that hit. No, no, that you have to know instinctively when to stand down, whether you have the ball in your hands or whether someone from the other team does. You can't go throwing your body around. You have greater value to the team than to risk your health doing that. Plain and simple. Yeah. I, that's why I'm surprised by what Flores said. You have to temper that 
with the fact that he's your quarterback and you made a huge investment in him and you need him on the field. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that they gotta they, they gotta get in his ear a little bit to to make sure they can coach him up and the proper thing to do in those situations. You know, it, it, it is. It's tough. Hey, we see more and more quarterbacks doing this type of stuff, too. I mean, I could show you clips of Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton, you know, other court, Russell Wilson, whoever, even Mahomes, where they throw interceptions and they go get, get in the mix, like, very aggressively to where I'm always a little surprised by that. You know, to me, I, I'm like you. I would, I would want to go like, hey, let's watch Tom Brady. You know, Tom Brady – you know, throws an interception. He does what you're talking about. He's engaged. He follows the play. He does, but he's going to be the last line of defense. He's not going to be the guy that's going to go throw himself into the scrum and go, let me get my shot in on this guy. That, that to me, would be the, the type of approach you'd want to, out of the quarterback, at least if you want a healthy one. Hey, if you have a quarterback who does that too much, it's a fair opportunity for one of those defensive players to rough up the quarterback a little bit. And I know it's all viewed very differently post-bounty gate and with the NFL's sensitivity to health and safety, but let's not be naive here. If a defensive player gets a free shot at a quarterback and he's not going to get penalized for it and it's a clean legal hit and the quarterback is right there to be blocked as he's trying to make a tackle of a defensive back, that defensive player is going to hit that guy as hard as he possibly can. Yeah, there, there's no question. If, if they know it's a quarterback, too, that, yes, looks to make those type of tackles and do those type of things, I mean, that that's like a defensive player's dream is to be able to hit the quarterback. I mean, that you know, that, that really is – I mean, it's the dream. And really, more times than not, you know, not more times than not, every time, okay, every football team – the defensive line is taught when an interception is thrown for somebody to go get the quarterback. You know, and now of course, like you said, there's the rules and it's a little bit more protected, but there's still that guy that goes and finds him and gets in his way and does that and can't wait till the guy gets a little closer to then he can manhandle the quarterback and do those type of things. It's part of playing the position that you gotta be careful with. And like you said, it's more important to be healthy than maybe to be, you know, Superman sometimes and make the tackle. In a weird sort of way, you can see in the demeanor of some defensive players, they're still not quite sure when they're allowed to hit yeah, the quarterback. Know, and they, they pull up sometimes because they're so conditioned to be careful, whether it's at practice with their own quarterback or in the general course of playing, there are certain times you just can't touch the quarterback. And you see that kind of short circuit in their brain when they do get a free and fair shot, and he's no different than any other player on the field. Jalen Hurts, the starter presumably it's either him or Joe Flacco in Philadelphia against the Steelers. He was three for seven for 54 yards, no touchdowns, no picks in 10 snaps, limited work. What did you see from the guy that the Eagles by all appearances are giving every opportunity to prove that he can be their quarterback well beyond this season? A, a good start for Jalen Hurts. That, that's what I saw. I mean, I see a guy that is continuing to go on the, the upward trend of throwing the football you know, better and better within the pocket and making throws. I mean, listen, we know he can do this. And again, and when he gets outside the pocket, he does a good job of throwing the appropriate ball that for the guys to catch. But this is what I like. In the pocket, somebody in your face, pretty tight coverage, Dallas Goddard right on the money. That's that's what we need. This that that's what I call I mean, that's NFL throwing throwing quarterback play, whatever right there. And that's where he's going to have to make some of his money is doing that type of stuff. Okay, careful with the ball right there. Then he's at the third down here. Another fine throw and read dropped by Ertz. So he's three for seven. He should have been four for seven for sure. You know, here they are backed up again. You know, gives his guy 
a chance down the left sideline, misses that, but I like the aggressive nature for what he did there, trying to get Jalen Rieger the ball and let him, you know, take off. Uh, but then he answers back here with a throw, again, backed up. So this is, you know, again, in the pocket, and encouraging to see down the middle, tight coverage, right on the money. I, mean, I think there's a lot of positives to Jalen Hurts. To me, he looked more comfortable, and I, I do think that his motion throwing the football not that it's perfect, looks better and a little tighter and more consistent to be a better thrower of the football, you know, hopefully in 2021. Good point, Matt Casey made in my ear. The idea that he has just kind of a calm, nonchalant escapability oh. where it's not frenetic. He just, he can extend the play, just kind of a little bit of gas, not all of it, just a little gas, get away. And, and I think that's part of the, that sweet spot of keeping yourself in control so you're not overly exerting yourself as you pivot away from the defender and you're still keeping your eyes down the field and seeing yeah. when and if that opportunity to, to find an open receiver comes available. Yeah, and there's no doubt. He's got a, gr a great feel for that. You know, yeah, when he does get outside the pocket, he's not going so crazy and running so fast that when he does throw the ball, it comes out with such pace and velocity that the receiver has no chance to catch the football. We know he can do all the athletic things. What, what was underwhelming last year at the end of the year in some of the games and things like that was there was just too many below-average NFL starting, starting quarterback-type throws. And that's where, you know, we got to see growth, we got to see more, and everything like that. Again, you know, I know the Trey Lances and the Jalen Hurts and the, you know, uh, Justin Fields and Lamar Jacksons of the world are all awesome and got great athletic ability, and it's fun to watch. But I don't know. I watch the Super Bowl every year, and I haven't seen one of those type of guys in the Super Bowl yet. In fact, the greatest runner we've ever seen at the position has yet to be able to actually run the football in a divisional playoff game and do anything substantial that way. The game is still about can you make throws behind the line of scrimmage to stress defenses out. And that's where we just got to see Jalen Hurts become a little bit more of a machine within the pocket, especially uh, to, to really take that starting quarterback by the reins. The Steelers since 2004 have had a quarterback who could extend plays horizontally, not a guy who did a lot of running vertically. And now Dwayne Haskins, a guy that the Steelers got for nothing after he was cut last year by Washington. He is at least showing a glimmer of hope. We talked about this yesterday. I think he'll be the number two quarterback on the depth chart at some point this year if not as of week one 16 yeah. for 22 161 yards and a touchdown no picks against the eagles on thursday night a lot of reason for optimism that maybe they've found something in a guy who can be groomed for a year or two i think it'll be a year before their post roethlisberger what did you think of what you saw on the film from Dwayne haskins like thoroughly impressed to both games i mean i i just is a different player is a different guy altogether you know, I, I think that, you know, the, the first off, he's got an incredible right arm. That That's the first thing. And he's cleaned up his mechanics. Come on. I mean, that's that's a missile. I don't know what else to say. He has made he made some throws the other night that were jaw dropping. You know, again, here, pretty good athleticism. That's Big Benish. It's not like, oh, wow, he's so fast, but he has a good feel to get out of the pocket and make a great throw. Go ahead, here's another one. Whole shot up the left sideline. I mean, Damn, that, to me, he's been one of the most pleasant surprises of the preseason. You know, been smart with decision-making. He's cleaned up some of his mechanics, throwing the football. And I know one thing's happening. 
You know, he's getting man training there in Pittsburgh with Mike Tomlin. How to be, like we talked about yesterday, how to be a pro, no excuses, be tougher, move to the next play. And that's where I think it's the perfect spot. And like for all indications, I'm with you, Mike. Looks like he could be the heir apparent. He's more talented than Mason Rudolph every day of the week and twice on Sunday. And as long as he understands the offense, I'm with you. I think he's the second, and even if he's the third, it's going to be a short leash for Mason Rudolph if he did get in there where they would put Dwayne Haskins in a hurry. At least that's my assessment right now. And and let me just underscore the point. Mike Tomlin, because Steelers fans, the moment any adversity is encountered in any given season, there is a group that begins to say, fire Tomlin, fire Tomlin. And at one point a couple of years ago, there was a group of the limited partners in ownership of the Steelers that wanted Art Rooney II to fire Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin is so thoroughly respected around the league because other coaches know that he can take a guy who otherwise would be difficult to handle. And right. I don't know that we have enough evidence on Dwayne Haskins to know whether it was him, it was Washington. We know he was immature either way. Pre-Ron Rivera. He was, he, he was premature. He was not mature. Right. And he had some... He had some responsibility for the things that went down, and he would probably admit that. But Tomlin's ability to speak to the better angels of every guy that plays for him, his ability to get that guy to turn away from those traits, those temptations, those whether it's immature, whatever it may be, and do what Tomlin wants them to do, that, that is a special quality, and other coaches respect him for it because they've seen what happens when a guy who was with Tomlin yeah. and was by no one knew he was a problem right. goes somewhere else, and this guy's go, a pain in the ass. Right? They go, this guy's a renegade. What the hell? I didn't know he was like this. And you're like, yeah, well, because the magician, the magic man of people skills, Mike Tomlin and being a leader and all that, he is. He's great that way. You know, we haven't heard a peep about Dwayne Haskins this year. Nothing. Ever since he's got to Pittsburgh, we haven't heard one thing. Last year, we were hearing late to meetings, late to this. You know, of course, he had the sign-in autographs and shaking a guy's hand when the game was still going on and all that type of stuff. You're not going to see that go down in Pittsburgh. Not with Mike T and the culture that he set there uh, in, in the Pittsburgh organization. But I'm, I'm happy to see, you know, Dwayne Haskins. We can't forget he was really young. He was the youngest guy to come out in the draft two years ago. I believe he was 20 when he got drafted. He only played one year in college football. He has the talent to be a legit NFL starting quarterback. Somebody's just got to show him the way and have a little patience here and make him into a man and a pro, and uh, I have no doubt that this kid can, can make it happen. And, and, and what, a, what a gift it would be for the Steelers and their fans if – because they went 20 years between Terry Bradshaw and Ben Roethlisberger not seeking a franchise quarterback – in the upper part of the draft. They never or rarely were in position to do it, and they passed on Dan Marino in what was Terry Bradshaw's last year. But it was a long 20 years between Bradshaw oh, and Roethlisberger, and it, it may be that, that they have stumbled over a guy who can be the starter, can do a good job, can run the offense, can be what they need, and they got him for absolutely nothing after he was cut last year by the Washington football team. Let's go ahead and take a break. Matt Nagy, Bears coach talking about his quarterbacks and the plan for divvying up reps as the preseason continues to unfold. Andy Dalton, Justin Fields, who's it going to be week one? We'll discuss that next year on PFT Live. 
you know, Andy had six plays, and yeah, it's hard to it's hard to say much good or bad about that with the six plays. So we're going to get him some more snaps uh, this coming preseason game. Is there a point where, as part of the plan, there is value to getting Justin reps with guys like Allen Robinson, starters that he hasn't had a ton of yet? I think that that's real. I think you need to uh, look into that, and you need to be able to see, okay, um, not even so much Adam to see that with his own players because he gets some of that in practice right now. He's getting some of that, but it, but also it can be good to see what he does versus the, the, the first-team defense. You know, I was having a hard time for most of the last 24 hours reconciling the two points made by Matt Nagy. We want to get Andy Dalton more snaps. He had limited opportunities in the preseason opener. But we want to get Justin Fields more time with the first-team offense. I got the perfect solution. Just make him the starter. Let Andy Dalton have quarter two, three, and four in the next preseason game with the backups and put Justin Fields out there with the starters. I mean, nothing Matt Nagy says at this point is going to slow down the momentum of that train in Chicago that already was moving at a pretty good clip but has accelerated, Chris, after what we saw on Saturday. And I think that the average Bears fan is going to groan when they hear Matt Nagy say that he wants to see more Andy Dalton in the preseason. No Bears fan wants to see more Andy Dalton. They want to see more Justin Fields. Yeah, I I get it. I understand. They're groaning already. I mean, anything you read or pay attention to out there, you're right. I mean, it's Justin Fields, Justin Fields, Justin Fields. But, you know, know, again, here with Matt Nagy, put yourself in his shoes. He can't just – He's got to get Andy Dalton ready to a degree. I'm sure Justin Fields hasn't done enough yet or anything like that, as you're hearing, to just make everybody feel, hey, warm and cozy, and he's the starter, and let's move on. I think they're hoping that he continues to go on this upward trajectory to where maybe he can get there. Again, they open Pandora's box or the door or whatever. She's there for... It seems like Justin Fields, if he continues to play well, they're going to give him the opportunities to play well, look good, and put pressure on the situation. At least that's the way it looks to me. Um, I know the Bears fans don't want to hear that, but they can't just quite give Justin Fields the starting job yet. They need to see probably a little bit more and understanding whether he's really got the offense down and everything like that. But, man, did he look comfortable last week. There's no doubt about that. And just like with Mac Jones and Cam Newton, just like with Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo, it's so much harder to start the young guy and then conclude, eh, you know what, he wasn't ready. Let's put him on the bench. I, I just think right. that that once you go all in, especially when you've given up a future first-round pick with the Justin Fields and he's your guy, once you go all in, you're all in. And, and you're going to deal with the growing pains because it's all about building for the future. So it, it is easier to start with Andy Dalton and wait for Andy Dalton to earn his benching. And then you go with Justin Fields. And and uh, I, I still feel like, even though I'm kind of caught up in the idea of seeing Justin Fields week one, Sunday night football against the Rams, and I'd say most Bears fans would, would say, hell yes, we want Justin Fields. Andy Dalton was promised he'd be the starter. And I know promises aren't worth very much, but... Some people are committed to honoring their word. And if they've given Andy Dalton that word, then that's going to be a tough, tough thing for them to turn away from now, Chris. It is. I mean, week one, Sunday night football against the number one defense in the NFL with huge, you know, unbelievable talent and all those type of things. Yeah, that would make you reluctant to start a, a rookie quarterback no matter what. You know, there's no doubt about that. 
Uh, the, here's the thing I look at, though, with the Bears, okay? And you can tell me whether I'm right or wrong or my thought here. I mean, you know, first off, like when we talk about M Mac Jones and Trey Lance, you know, first off, if they fail right off the bat and things don't look good, it's going to, I think to me, it's going to look a little worse just because you got Shanahan and Josh McDaniels coaching you, right? To where then everyone's going to be like, wait, I mean, they got the best coordinators in football and it, it's not working out. You know, with Chicago, where I, I guess I feel a little bit differently is I want to go, really, what has that offense done that's that special the last few years anyways? We know that it's been a problem. You know, and I know even both years, whether they went to the, the two years going into the playoffs or the year where they missed, whatever it may be, to where, again, they're a team that could play run-the-ball, quarterback design runs, bootlegs, manage the game that way because they have the type of defense. I mean, listen, that's how they played with Mitchell Trubisky basically last year. I would think that Justin Fields – He's going to be comfortable in a big game situation. I don't think I'm worried about that. But if you kept the offense and had the right formula for him, I don't think you can. You will overwhelm him or everything. To me, where it would come down to with Justin Fields is just can they trust him on third down situations? And that will be, I think, the big thing they continue to evaluate. I'm still one here that thinks he's got a chance to start week one, uh, if not very early on in the season, if things don't look good week one for Andy Dalton. If Dalton is the week one starter, do you believe there will be a Justin Fields package of plays that gets deployed whenever Matt Nagy decides the time is right? I think so. I do. I think you're going to see that from, you know, we heard Shanahan say that with Trey Lance last week. I think you're going to see the same type of thing. First off, like with the Bears, I think they need that in their offense. They need something. You know, no one's writing home about, whoa, Matt Nagy's offense has blown my doors off here and they're unbelievable schematically. Nobody's saying that to where, you know, that little element I think could be have real value, let alone get the guy on the field, get used to playing. OK, hey, Andy Dalton, we lose week one. Andy Dalton didn't play that good. Justin Fields and his 10 snap looked OK. Oh, we got the Bengals next week. Maybe we start him that week. I don't know, but I do think Fields has the personality and traits to handle being the starting quarterback and doing those type of things. To me, it's just about whether they feel like they can trust them and must throw in the pocket type situations to where whether he plays early on or not. You got to let Andy Dalton play against the Bengals. Come on. You got to let know, him have right? that game. Seriously, I remember I didn't when even the schedule first that. came out. Yeah, we said, yeah, that, that's, he's got to play that game. Chris, the one dynamic we didn't mention yesterday and we haven't mentioned yet today that I think. Bears repeating and monitoring. If this is the if 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 the broader play here is for Matt Nagy, for Ryan Pace, and also for Ted Phillips, the guy who's been the president of the team for 20 years, and when the the seats started to heat up a little bit for Pace and Nagy, more people than ever started to say, well, maybe Phillips is part of the problem too. If there's been an organizational decision that when we make the trade up for Justin Fields, this is buying us two more years. Let this be the Andy Dalton year. Next year is the Justin Fields year. I don't want to be overly cynical, but if you go all in with Justin Fields this year and it fails, it's a hell of a lot easier to clean house after the season. If you go with Andy Dalton and say we're getting Justin Fields ready for next year, greater chance that everyone sticks around for one more year. I just think given what we know about the NFL and the way people operate, you can't take your eye off of that possibility. I, I, I hear you. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It's a little bit of like, you know, playing the politics of the NFL to a degree. You know, you, you're, you're, you're right, I think, in a lot of your thoughts there. I, I think generally, but I, I guess what I, 
I guess what I would I want to say back is I, I feel like that with Nagy, it's a little more desperate than that. Like even if Andy Dalton played and it, if, if it didn't go well, I don't know. I just feel like um, he's under the microscope a little bit more than maybe he should be for a, a head coach who's gone to the playoffs two out of the three years. And I think it's a little bit because of what we said. He's supposed to be this Andy Reid offensive guru, and we've seen none of that. And it's really been like, oh, manage the game and let the defense win a lot of these football games. And I, I, that, that to me would be risky too, I guess is what I'm saying. Like I understand what you're saying, but in this situation, I, I feel like there's risk there too to where – I don't know if you played Justin Fields and things kind of look good and maybe you didn't make the playoffs and everything. Maybe they wouldn't want to disrupt it and his development either and keep it going. And maybe he can make the case to go like, no, give me one more year with Justin Fields. Look what I did with him last year. Look, it's it's only going to get better. I, I could see it going either way, I guess is what I'm saying here. Yeah, and but but I, I just think it's something yeah, to, to keep, keep an, an eye, eye on. on. And I know. Things yeah. people in the organization know about the dynamics that will give them a better understanding of whether or not it's in their own best interest to have Andy Dalton on the field for as long as possible in 2021. Let's take a break. When we return, it is John Gruden's 58th birthday. We have a draft in honor, honor of him. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Let's go green right X. Shift the Viper right. Green right X. Green right X. Shift the Viper right. 382 X stick looking. Here we go, guys. Green right X. Ship the Viper right, 382, Y-stick looky on one. X-stick looky on one. Let's go scatter to west right tight, F left, 372, Y-stick Z spot. Here we go, scatter to west right tight, F left, 382, Y-stick Christ, just go scatter to west right tight, F left, 372, Y-stick Z spot. Here we go, scatter, say it again. Scatter to west right tight, F left. 372 Y stick Z spot. Here we go. Scattered to west right tight. Scattered to west right tight. F left. 382. 372. 372. Y stick Z spot. Z spot. I'm already break. Christ. Yes. I'm the problem. Might be making you nervous, aren't I? No, I just couldn't spit it out. Yeah, I know. I was nervous. (laughs) Extremely nervous. It's funny because 
I think it was Kyle Shanahan talking about how he wants to see what Trey Lance does when coaches aren't there constantly talking to him. The radio cuts off with 15 seconds left on the play clock. And it made me think of you saying games were a pleasure. They were a relief because you didn't constantly have John Gruden up your butt. No doubt about it. It makes the game easier. And when you got a coach like that, that's like that in practice, you get out in the game and you're just like, Oh, thank God. He's not standing nine yards behind me yelling and micromanage me to death and everything like that. Gosh, I'm still so embarrassed by that clip. It's unbelievable. It really is. You know what really used to screw me up there in my rookie year? The Z receiver, we like you heard, the F left. That was the Z receiver. We called the Z receiver in motion, the F guy, and then when we called the route, he was back to Z. So it was F left, 372 Y stick, and then Z spot, which was the F. And, man, did that throw me for a loop early on in training camp. Man, I messed that up, let alone I was just choking my ass off there. I'm just amazing you were able to articulate it now. I I think you've been practicing just for this moment. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, At this moment, we wish a happy birthday to John Gruden, age 58 today. You know, and I vividly remember John Gruden being the young up-and-coming coach. And if you vividly remember anyone being the young up-and-coming anything and that person is now older, that means you're older too. So congratulations. But in honor of Gruden turning 58, although the draft is more of a slap, coaches who need to show us something this year. Do we exempt Gruden from this draft? Because it's a given. He may not need to show Mark Davis anything, but I think he needs to show us something. Well, I mean, we I, I just him. figured – I thought I thought really you – He's he, in the I draft. would think he was okay, in he's the eligible. draft. Right. And he's eligible. It's would, not the John Gruden Memorial Draft. Knowing you, I thought you would have drafted him like all three rounds, really. I mean, from what, the way you talk about him, so I didn't know. Go ahead. Are you ready? Here Do you have a go. question for me? Who yeah, was the first head this. coach that hired John Gruden as an assistant? First head coach that hired John Gruden as an assistant. Oh, it was Mike Holmgren, 1992. He had been at Pitt. It wasn't Mike Holmgren? No, it was George Seifert who had Mike Holmgren on the staff in San Francisco. Right? So there, there. So he was at Pitt before then. That was a trick question. All right, you got the first pick. Okay, there we go. Here we go. All right. Um, I think right off the bat, to me, the the clear and obvious one is Zach Taylor. I I think that's, that's the big one. You know, again, we're going to the year three. Yeah, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow got hurt last year and all that and everything. But, hey, listen, we, we also could sit here and say, hey, that's part of the way he was coaching. You guys were playing. You were living dangerously doing that type of stuff. Yeah, it's a huge year. You know, they got some little talent on the roster. You know, he should have been able to implement his culture and things like that by this point to where you got to start seeing some positive results. And I'm not even saying playoffs because we know that's an unbelievable division, but just that it's like going in the right direction to where, ooh, they're going to be competitive and a pain in the butt. If he can get to 500 somewhere in that area, right, I think that would go a long way. Uh, I think he's the, it's a big year for him. Rumors were rampant last year that he was out after his second season to the point where the Bengals issued a statement yeah. on the Monday after the season ended to say he'll be back. The one wild card reality with the Bengals, they don't like to pay coaches to not work. So if he has guaranteed money beyond this year, you know he still needs to show us something, but he may, he may not be shown the door after one year depending upon what his contract says for 2022. Cliff Kingsbury's top of my list. All the indications. The Cardinals expect to take the next step this year. And when you look at the history of the Cardinals organization, which has been around for a hundred years, 
there's only two guys who have made it six years as head coach of the Cardinals, Jim Hannafin and Ken Wisenhunt. No one else has made it six years. This is year three for Cliff Kingsbury, and I think it's three and out for Kingsbury if they don't make it to the playoffs, even though they're in the toughest division in football. When you hear the things that are said by guys like Steve Kime and Kyler Murray, this is on Kingsbury if he can't put this collection of talent in position to get to the postseason. So he's got to show us and the Cardinals that he can get it done this year. Yeah, uh, agreed. I think he would. if you would have taken Zach Taylor for – I mean, that would have been my next pick is what I was saying. I'm with you. Yeah, we got to see something. You can't see a you know, end-of-the-year letdown like we saw last year too where they kind of just – you know, we're, we're not ne nearly the same team we saw in the first half of the year. All right, um, man, I don't, I don't like picking this guy here, but I just think it's a big year for him. I mean, again, it's a year three guy. Uh, that's what we're. That's the the theme of this draft right now is Vic Fangio. I, I got to go there, even though I don't know if it's definitely deserving of like putting someone to blame and things that have happened there. I mean, first off, I'd like to argue that yeah, he hasn't had a quarterback there to help give him much, you know, of a fighting chance since he's been the head coach there with the Denver Broncos. So that's one issue. It's hard. But, you know, regardless, it is year three. You know, he's a, he's a defensive guru. We know that. Everything. The defense has some talent. We saw them play pretty damn good football last year. You know, but, yeah, that quarterback situation, Drew Locke, their win-loss record, I, I do. I think it's a big year. Uh, again, I don't know if I don't know if you would agree with this. I don't know if they got to get in the playoffs, but I think they got to be close at least or in the conversation the last two or three weeks of the year. Or Vic Fangio is certainly going to hear, you know, should we keep him another year type questions and rumors out there. I think anything other than eight and nine, anything lower than eight and nine, he's in real trouble. New GM who inherited the coach. That's new right, GM too. Has been around for a long time, and he's carrying around a list of the guys he wants to hire to That's be the right. coach. That's how it works, right. and Vic Fangio's name probably not on that list. Next one for me, I'm going Mike McCarthy. Yeah. I, I just think with all the hype with the Cowboys, Dak Prescott's back, defense is better. He's the guy that hired Mike Nolan last year, or at least was ultimately the head coach if somebody else made the decision to hire Mike Nolan and completely screw up the defense. Now it's Dan Quinn. McC I, I, I'm Look, I don't think the Cowboys would fire him after two years, but who knows? But... America's team, guy who's won a Super Bowl, guy who's trying to show it wasn't his fault in Green Bay that they never got back, he's got to show us something in year two with the Cowboys. I, I agreed. I mean, he was on my list, too. There's no doubt. I mean, the way last year looked was horrible. I mean, it was horrible. There's no other way to say it. I mean, and I know that he's not in charge of hiring everything and doing all of those type of things. But, I mean, again, he is the head coach. The defense was an absolute disaster. You know, he had history with Mike Nolan. I'm sure he was a big reason he was there because they were in San Francisco together. So, you know, okay, that was a disaster. Offensively, yeah, they were doing some positive things, but let's not forget some of the damn botched end-of-the-game situations he had too. So I'm with you there. All right, my next – I'm going to go with Urban Meyer as my third pick. I am. not Again, I don't expect playoffs or anything like that, but I want to see – I, I got to see – So I just want to see if – He's going in the right direction. If he really can handle NFL life, he's going to lose some games. His team won't be the most talented on the field most weeks. All those type of things. I'm very interested to see how that experiment goes in Jacksonville. Yeah, I agree with you. And let's cap it with the birthday boy. Obviously, this is year four for John for Gruden. He hovered over the NFL for nine years while he was doing Monday Night Football. There was a presumption he was going to be a lot better than he's been so far. 19 and 29 in 48 games since he's been back. Tough division, tough conference. It's going to be a tall order to get to the playoffs. But And I don't even think he's got to get to the playoffs. Right. Just, just get to nine and eight. 
Just, just show us that you're ready to really make the push next year. Ultimately, Mark Davis makes the call. I think he's going to keep him. But the rest of us, we're getting a little skeptical about whether or not John Gruden just kind of stumbled his way into a Super Bowl championship, and he's been riding the fumes of that ever since. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of PFT Live right after Congratulations to the Atlanta Falcons, Coach Arthur Smith, GM Terry Fontenot, owner Arthur Blank, CEO Rich McKay. First team to get to a 100% vaccination rate in the NFL. University of Mississippi under Lane Kiffin did it recently. There's other teams that are close. Chris, the thing I'm curious about as we start having guys dropped from the roster, I think the vaccination rates potentially are going to fall for some of these teams that aren't at 100 because – most of the lower level guys are vaccinated. are smart enough to realize yeah. they have to get vaccinated to have a chance. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I, you're right. I think it will probably dip a little bit too because I think it's you know a few stars on every team are the ones that are are kind of holding back. Uh, so we'll see. But I think like as a as a whole as the league coaches I talk to and everything like it all seems to be going in the right direction where. You know, the majority of the team is fully vaccinated or at least has one shot, and at least we're getting there, and, and you know, it, hopefully we can have a nice, clean, normal football season. And and hopefully the 100% rate by the Falcons, and if others get there, it, it it's just another little thing that helps people who need to get vaccinated. Everyone should get vaccinated. There are, what, 30%, 40% who say they never will. Hopefully the NFL's success will 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 make a difference for some people, Chris. Yeah, uh, hopefully. I'm choosing I mean, my words carefully. Well, so I'm not told to stick to sports. Well, yeah. Listen, I mean, listen. Even though I'm not going to stick to well, sports. Well, we see the vaccinated has some real things that are real and good. So see ya. Thanks for some of your time. We'll see you tomorrow. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.